0: Let's see if it works now. Yes, it does. There Ooh. we go. Here we are. Welcome in, guys. Farzine Visugin here with you. Uh, we had all kinds of tech issues before that I don't even think anyone gives a damn about, but oh well, let's just uh, roll with it the way it just happened. Farzine Visugin here with you for another episode of the Chief Zone Special Edition. Bringing on to my friends here, Zach Steggena and from KCMO 710, Mark Van Sickle. Gentlemen, welcome in, how are you? Happy Super Bowl victory week to both of you.
1: Say, did we really think we were gonna be here celebrating this? I sure didn't.
0: Yeah, it was was a roller coaster.
2: I always believed, I'm not gonna lie, even after the loss to the Raiders, I said, you know what? All they have to do is stop turning the ball over the defense will keep picking it up, and they will go for it and get to the Super Bowl. And they did that. Now, a lot of people, you know, laughed at me for saying that. But at the same time, I always believed just like Mahomes always believed.
0: Yeah. I, I respect it, man. I, I think, you know, so many ups and downs. And I was kind of talking to Zach about this um, before we uh, started. The the comparison Colin Cowherd uh, made. And I've, I've uh, already, like, shared this uh, before, but I'll share it again. Uh, in a moment here because I think it is I learned a lot about this season with this football team and we need to get into that for sure. Before we move forward, I want to let you guys know this podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. Go to SeatGeek.com Get your tickets from there. If you see a green dot next to the ticket prices, that is a good sign. That's a good price you're paying for. Buy those tickets. If you see a red dot, avoid those tickets. That's what I like about SeatGeek. They keep you honest. They let you know if you're getting the best bang for your buck. And if you're a new SeatGeek customer, you can use my promo code FARZINE, and you will save $20 off your first purchase from SeatGeek. You want to go watch KU, K-State, Mizzou, Royals, baseball coming up very soon. You can use my promo code SEATGeek and save $20 off your first purchase. All right.
2: Bro, Uh, Really quick. Can I just say something about that? Because yeah, sure. I could have gotten a $20 ticket to go to the Miami dolphins chiefs playoff game with your code. And that would have been awesome. But I told my wife, I wasn't going to leave her and the kids at home. um, You know, in that the freezing temperatures. Yeah. (laughs) But I I did use your code and I was like, I could totally go for 20 bucks. (laughs) And my wife's like, no
0: you're staying home. I, I, listen, I'm, I'm Zach and I, we are not uh, married, but uh, I, that came out wrong. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, see, the way you said that, like, we are not married to anyone or to each other, for those of you worried
0: <laughs> What I meant was, anyway, we're not, we don't live that style, at least not yet. We might get there, he might get there, I might get, but I know the wife is always the boss in those situations, so yeah, one of those days I may uh, come across that kind of thing, so anyway. Um... <laughs> Uh, I did want to uh, get into <laughs> let's just move on. Um, Chiefs win goat conversation, dynasty conversation. They're in full force. Now I just feel like at this point, if you're denying, like trying to push back against it, I mean, you're in denial, like Patrick Mahomes, this guy has done everything possible in the first, what, six years as a starter. Obviously we're not talking about his first year, seven years in the NFL total. Cause he was a backup his first year to uh, Alex Smith, but man, this Chiefs team has just dominated. Um, and I still remember, man, people were saying, oh, they'll figure out Mahomes. In 2021 get, gets off to a slow start. Okay, they figured him out. He's no longer going to be good. Well, they got pretty damn close to a Super Bowl that year. Uh, this year, with all the receivers uh, and all the drops. Oh, okay, well, finally, Mahomes has been figured out. He needs Tyreek Hill back. Remember Stephen A. Smith after the Monday Night Football loss to the Eagles? What did he say? Should have paid Tyreek Hill. The Tyreek Hill narrative came back. And what do the Chiefs do? They come back and they win another Super Bowl. They traded Tyreek Hill 23 months ago, and every year since trading Tyreek Hill, they've won the Super Bowl both times. That's the Kansas City Chiefs right now.
1: Yeah, I think that offseason where we traded him was like the most consequential. Like, you know, that's Veach's just masterclass because, you know, he goes from that to you know, parlaying some of those draft picks into absolute studs now on that defensive side of the ball. And, you know, built it from you know, the high-flying offense that beat the Niners the first time to the incredible <laughs> defense we had that beat them this time. Like, really, got to tip the cap to Veach you know, across the board. I mean, obviously, you have Mahomes. Like, that's that's a cheat code in and of itself. And I'm not trying to downplay any piece of what Mahomes did there. But, yeah, you know, I think uh, Veach, you know, for the roster construction and then Spags for getting the most out of it on the defensive side of the ball. Both of those guys absolutely deserve the tip of the cap for this one.
2: McDuffie and Karloftis, man. I mean, those dudes are ballers. (laughs) I was a big Karloftis guy. I thought that they were going to take Karloftis with their first pick, and uh, McDuffie was just – I mean, from what I heard, he was like one of their top 15 guys. So to see him fall into the 20s, they're like, we got to get him. So, I mean, like you said, Brett Veach – Master
0: class. Yeah, and uh, and here's Rich's comment about uh, Veach uh, drafting so well. I just want to address this for a moment here because it, I don't know why, but so many people love to bring up Brett Veach and how he cannot draft a wide receiver. Uh, whenever things are not working for the Chiefs, a lot of people just want to go to Brett Veach, attack him, and bring up his inability to draft a good receiver. Okay, look. Early on in Brett Veach's time as a GM, he had to get the Chiefs out of a, a hellhole with the salary cap. That was, like, priority number one. John Dorsey, phenomenal evaluator of talent. That should not never be taken away from him, but the way he handled contracts was just horrible. Um, Brett Veach had to take care of the, that first with the Chiefs. And then, when you have... Uh, A good space uh, when you're in a good spot with a salary cap, you finally started seeing a lot of these draft picks come come up, especially the last couple of drafts um, where you drafted. uh, I mean, you guys have mentioned a couple of the names already. Karloftus and McDuffie in the first round. Uh, Robert mentioned uh, Leo Chanel in that same draft. Sky Moore, who made an impact last year um, a little bit in the uh, Super Bowl. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco obviously has been monster. Jalen Watson, uh, Josh Williams. Um, I know this guy hasn't really done much, but even a guy like Nazi Johnson, who supposedly was in line to start uh, early on in the season, but got hurt early in training camp. Like these are just so many guys uh, on the, on the team um a lot of Brett Veach draft picks here Nick Bolton who scored in last year's Super Bowl um Creed Humphrey Trey Smith a, a lot of these these guys are non first round draft picks either uh, people want to focus on the wide receiver okay fine maybe Brett Veach just hasn't done well with the wide receiver department but he's done pretty damn That's well Yeah, Rasheed Rice, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, his first year, but as Rasheed Rice started playing well, that narrative kind of died off. Here's what I want to say, because when I used to work at 610, my boss there told me, he said, look, if you're bad at one thing, be really damn good at the other nine things, because if you might be really bad at one thing, your boss can't fire you because you're so damn good at the other nine things that you would be irreplaceable if you were to get let go. And that's kind of what, yes, you're right. Rice has played very well, especially in the second half of the season, but you want to really focus on the wide receiver draft picks. Well, you know what, man, he's been doing so well in all the other spots. And that Tyreek Hill trade in a weird way benefited the chiefs. I think more than a lot of people realize.
1: I think you're absolutely right. And let's be honest. I mean, yeah, you look at the, uh, yeah, you know, the record in the draft. You've already named a bunch of the names. But even just this past year, yeah. You know, he manages to find a yeah you know, certainly a serviceable left tackle in the third round. Yeah, you know, that's that's a tough position to fill. Uh be interesting to see if that's what they want to roll with going into next season or yeah. not. But you know, certainly a useful swing tackle if nothing else. Yeah. You know, the great nickel back in Shamari Connor. Um, and then you know, a couple of developmental guys. You know, you know, we knew NBK Uzama wasn't gonna be uh you know he wasn't going to be Carl Loftus coming out his first year, but obviously then Rasheed Rice, you know, hit it out of the park. You know, that's, that's a pretty darn good hit rate. And even on, you know, those second round receivers, you know, he's got McColl, he's got, uh, you know, Sky Moore, and now he's got Rasheed Rice, you know, one out of three ain't bad, I guess. And the other two got Super Bowl winning touchdowns. So that doesn't suck.
0: (laughs) Yeah,
2: that's exactly what I was going to say. Even though Hardman had a really good rookie year, and then he kind of plateaued. Uh, Sky Moore, we really haven't seen the best of him. But they both had touchdowns that literally put them in the lead. For like, They'll
1: both be great answers to trivia questions someday, yeah. if nothing else.
2: Yeah. So final touchdowns of both of the last two Super Bowls go to their second-round wide receivers that Veach got.
0: That's a really good point. I didn't realize that when you put it that way. I, I must have not realized that. Yeah, no. The, I mean, the, the Chiefs, like... And, again, people talk about, oh, the, the, the refs and whatnot. Man, the Chiefs last year in the second half weren't all of the touchdown scores newcomers because it was in the second half. It was Isaiah Pacheco. It was Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony. Okay. Tony obviously was not a rookie um, but was uh, a newcomer because he came during the season that year. And, by the way, I mean, what is it with the Chiefs? Making a trade midseason with a team in East Rutherford, New Jersey, getting their wide receivers to come here and make an impact like McColl Hardman. Listen, I don't know what the future holds for McColl Hardman. This is obviously like a a, a big time high for him and good on him. He's gone through a lot last year with the injury, which was absolutely sucked. But, um, you know, he he came through. The Jets did not use him. And listen, I, I have not I've thought about this, but I don't know what the narrative is right now. I'd love to know, like, what are New York Jets fans thinking? I don't think they're missing out on a big-time player, but that was their player to start the season who caught the touchdown to end the Super Bowl, essentially.
1: Yeah, but someone had to throw him the ball. I think the Jets have bigger problems.
0: Oh, well, okay, yeah, that's a, that's a very good point.
2: <laughs> yeah, they've got Aaron Rodgers issues and whoever else is going to be backing
1: him up. Yeah. I don't know, man. They, they but, need an offensive line to keep that old man upright is what they need.
0: Hey, here's the other thing, too, going back to Brett Veach. Uh, by the way, I see a lot of questions about free agency and offseason stuff. Um, let me just say I really do appreciate those questions. We're just not able to get to those um today or, or this week. Cause we already have a lot on the docket. I'm going to get into off season, like draft and free agency stuff, probably next week. That would probably be the better time. Cause we got the parade tomorrow. Um, and I'm going to be recapping that on tomorrow night's podcast. So, uh, we will get into that at a later time. So not to uh, dismiss it or, or, um, ignore everyone's questions about it i really do appreciate it we're just going to save that for another time um oh here's a homes
1: approach here's a question celebrate until the parade is is is, is travis
0: and taylor going to get married um i i mean this is not i don't know if you've
1: been consulted on their plans but i most certainly have (laughs) and you know uh, yeah they've got me on speed dial they consult me for these things who fucking knows? I'm sorry. I don't know if I can say that.
0: Yeah, you can say that.
1: Um, <laughs> All right, good. Inside
0: sources. Um,
1: like,
2: My sources are saying that they are very serious... They're enjoying their time together. And in the offseason, they're really going to get even more serious, having more time spent together. My so- and uh, well, they might get engaged before next football season.
0: My sources are telling me they do. My sources are telling me that this is a setup by the left, and it was all done for politics and all that other uh, conspiracy theory crap. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, Oh, and they're, by, they're by the way, meet
2: up at the, White House. Uh,
0: the earth is flat. By the way, I love how like um, Andy Reid was asked about that in the press conference last week, and Mahomes was on CNN last night. And he looks stoned as shit. (laughs) And um, the interviewer was like, Patrick, there are a lot of people who think that you guys were here because of political reasons for Taylor Swift. He's like, yeah there's a lot of wild stuff. I just stay away from it. And the anchor, I don't know her name. Bless her. She seems like a, she's good at what she does. She's like, that's very wise. She, she like did not, she was, She wanted like a long elaborate answer. Cause obviously CNN wanted their their angle with that. But um, I was like, really? You asked that. Um,
1: He's but, smart enough not to walk into that buzzsaw.
0: Yeah. Pat, 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 go ahead.
2: On the record. I don't think he was high. He's just like me. And when he's really sleepy, his eyes kind of get a little bit squinty and he's kind of, you know, on an hour and a half of sleep. So I don't think he was high, but he probably looked high.
0: <laughs> a lot of his pictures, he just looks like that. And a lot of people just wonder like, what's what's happening. What's going on here? Um, uh, so I do want to go back to this whole, like um, goat and dynasty conversation. Um, Cause a lot of people push back against that. Now I just think you see people who are like angry or jealous about it at this point. Um, this is the best five-year stretch in NFL history. That is a fact. Um, if they do three Pete, and I know that's a big conversation, we'll, we'll get into that later. You just can't even say anything about it at this point, but look, Colin Coward said this. I think it was right before or right after the Buffalo bills loss he talked about how dynasties are not perfect. He brought up the Patriots. In fact, the Tom Brady teams he compared this team to way before the playoffs, um, the 2014 Chief, uh, Patriots, excuse me, the 2017 Patriots and the 2021 uh, Bucks team. Well, what do all uh, three of those teams have in common? They both got destroyed by the Chiefs in the regular season. And they all went on to win the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, the Bucs team was against uh, the Chiefs in Super Bowl 55. But the point is, all three of those teams that Brady was a part of, they were not pretty. In fact, it was very ugly early on. The Monday night football game at Arrowhead where the Chiefs broke the noise record, the Patriots got destroyed. And if you turned on Sports Talk Radio in Boston, their own fan base, they were ready to ship out both Brady and Belichick. And then what happens? They win three more Super Bowls in New England. So... Uh, look, I know there was a lot of doubt with a lot of people um, on this football team, personnel wise, coaching wise. Um, I think what I've just learned, and I mentioned twenty twenty one, the rough three and four start with Mahomes leading the NFL in interceptions at that time. But what I've come to learn is that things are not going to always be pretty. You can be the best team in the NFL. Um, you can you know be the team that you know, holds that Lombardi trophy to end the season. But leading up to that, there can be a lot of rough patches. We've seen that time and time again with this football team. Even 2019, Zach, you and I did the podcast, that Titans game. I had a lot to say about Andy Reid after that one. And you know, I I think at this point, I'm just learning. Even if the chiefs have another similar season next year, let's just slow down. Let's wait for them to flip the switch because you know, they're not going to roll over and quit easily. That's not this team's DNA.
1: Well, I think that's the thing that this season really proves, too, is that they do have that switch that they can flip. Because I think we, you know, I think it lingered in the back of everyone's mind, even as, you know, they were ruining Christmas with the way they played you know, against the Raiders. I think, yeah, you know, there was always the understanding of like, I mean, we still have all these pieces. If they put it all together, we could still have something here. But I think just the longer the season went on, I think we were expecting more and more evidence to you know, show itself in the regular season. And it just didn't for one reason or another. And now we know, like, I think I think it will genuinely be different the next time that we have a little lull like we had this year because we do have the evidence of this postseason run to say, like, yep, these guys do absolutely have the ability to flip the switch and playoff Pat is absolutely a thing.
2: Yeah, as long as they're winning the AFC West and getting in the dance, they're going to have a chance to go to the Super Bowl and win it as long as Patrick Mahomes is there. As long as Andy Reid's the head coach. I mean, like you said, their worst finish is AFC championship game overtime loss. In all six years that Mahomes has been the starter, that's the most
1: insane stat. Yeah, That's a
2: dynasty. That's a dynasty. And they've won three Super Bowls, been to four. I mean, this is as dynastic as you can get.
0: Yeah. I mean, every year you've been with Mahomes, you're worst year is an afc championship appearance statistically speaking i guess offensively this is your worst year and it led you to a super bowl last year was a rebuilding year this year was a down year both super bowl wins um i don't know i guess i guess we need more rebuilding and down years uh, because shit man that seems to work out just fine
1: imagine what we're gonna look like when we're actually good
2: Yeah. (laughs) If, if they win three in a row that's never been done before no, well, that'll be something that Tom Brady can never say that he did if they win it next year. L- let me let,
0: let's get into that, because I honestly have not put a lot of thought into this. Uh, but it is getting a lot of talk with uh, national sports talk radio stations with the whole three peat thing. Um, I'm trying to just enjoy this moment here because um, shit, man, like my reaction to that touchdown right there. I was just like, holy shit, they did it. They actually did it against all of, the road playoff. Oh, how will Patrick play a road playoff game? Like, they, they won them all, and they won the Super Bowl he plays
1: other road games.
0: walk-off <laughs> overtime game. Um, They were able to do that. So um, my whole thing is with three-peating. Listen, repeating is very difficult. We just had a 19-year drought of no repeats the Chiefs could have done it a couple of years ago I already alluded to the Super Bowl 55 game we know how that went um it's just, repeating alone is very very difficult to do um I feel like with all of the media already talking about three peating and debating on that listen I, here, here's what's going to happen if the Chiefs do it they're amazing Mahomes is God all that stuff if they don't And if they finally, you know, exit before the AFC title game, oh, Mahomes is a fraud. He was never good. It's like even Pat McAfee was um, asked this question on ESPN once. I think it was first take or whatever. And they were asking him if, uh, if the Chiefs lose to the 49ers in the Super Bowl, do we give Mahomes a pass? He's like, this is the craziest question ever. Of course, he's either made it to the Super Bowl or the AFC title game every year. No one else has been able to do that in their first six years starting. So we know, listen, let me just put it like this because if the Chiefs and specifically Mahomes, if he continues to keep reaching the Super Bowl, guess what? He's going to lose another Super Bowl or two. Tom Brady went to 10 and lost three. So you'll have your moments. Tom Brady did, but Tom Brady always found ways to come back and come back on top. So um, I don't know. This whole three-peat thing is just kind of weird to me. Number one, I'm trying to enjoy the moment now. Number two, I just feel like people are setting themselves up for a narrative to push back against Mahomes. Do you guys feel that way? Have you guys even paid attention to that?
2: I have not. I've not heard any of that. I've just... I mean, Mahomes, I've heard his interviews and, you know, he's talking about he wants to be the first one that does it. I just feel like if Mahomes is putting his mind to it, that's something that might actually just happen. Uh, But if he doesn't make the Super Bowl next year or if the team doesn't make the Super Bowl next year, I mean, of course it's going to be a failure because that is now the standard, but I don't think it's going to knock him off of any sort of, you know, trajectory to be the greatest quarterback of all time.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, right. I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Like if you look at you know the whole goat debate, right? And yeah, you know, there's a longevity piece to that. That's just the you know the nature of it. Um and so that's the only thing he's missing right now is the longevity piece. You know, pace wise, he's absolutely right there with with Brady. Um but yeah, you know, at this point, you know, if you look just Super Bowl wise, not age wise, yeah. You know, Brady won his first three Super Bowls, took 10 years off, essentially. And then went and won three more at the end. Um, you know, that's, you know, as long as Mahomes doesn't do that, you know, I think then that actually puts him kind of ahead of pace. So, yeah, I don't think it's nuts to suggest that, you know, he could easily do it. It's just a question of is he going to be Michael Jordan and, you know, be the absolute, you know, greatest of all time you know when it comes to rings as well or is he going to be steph curry as well which you know completely changed the way the game is played won plenty of titles but not quite that you know
0: yeah it's just interesting to me because the, the, this whole deal like look at the, again i know people want to keep making the go comparison to tom brady here and obviously tom brady's phenomenal seven Super Bowls uh and three more appearances but Tom Brady did go 10 years between Super Bowl wins at one point. Um, and, you know, again, like during that stretch, you know, the topic came up during the tail end of that 10-year uh, drought. People wanted him and Belichick gone. Uh, listen, he lost to Eli Manning twice into a backup in the Super Bowl, okay? Um, it's It's never going to be perfect, but... Yeah, you just can't, you know, you can't deny Mahomes' trajectory, Zach. You kind of were alluding to that. And I I heard someone call into uh, Mad Dog Sports Radio today, and and there was a caller who goes, you you know, the GOAT conversation is silly because Brady is way ahead and Mahomes does not have the longevity, and you just said that, Zach. But the caller did go on to say, no one is saying Mahomes is not the most talented because I think – Dan Orlovsky was broadcasting the Super Bowl on ESPN for international audiences, and at the end when he um, when the team was celebrating, Dan Orlovsky just said he's the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. I, 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 at this point, it's like, yeah, he's doing – I know the comment came up last year. What was the term? Streetball or something like that? Like Mahomes like plays streetball. Right? ball. Oh, yeah. I I know a lot of people took that the wrong way. I don't think that was meant to be in a negative way. I think the purpose of that comment was he's just doing things differently. He has a style that's very unique that we've never seen before in NFL history. He's kind of revolutionized that position a little bit. And he's, again, like teams cannot figure it out. I remember 2018. 2018 or 2019, he's like he's behind the line of scrimmage trying to find a receiver in the end zone because the Chiefs are in the red zone here. He's like near the sidelines about to just go out of bounds. And at the very last second, he just throws a sidearm to somebody in the end zone. And all the Chargers players are like doing their arms like this. Like, what were we supposed to do?
2: So that was a Chris Conley touchdown.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think people are still like trying to accept the fact that this guy is doing so much in a short amount of time and is doing things that no one's ever seen before.
1: Yeah, he's genuinely changed the way the quarterback position's played. I mean, I, I would put it this way. So we've got, you know, a draft coming up. You know, you've got two quarterbacks sitting at the top of it. You've got Drake May from North Carolina, you know, six foot four, you know, traditional drop back passer. You know, can move a little bit, but you know, mobile's not necessarily the biggest part of his game. He's considered a Justin Herbert light, right? And then you've got Caleb Williams from USC who is, yeah, you know, kind of a mini Mahomes. And, you know, a few years, you know, before Mahomes c- comes on the scene, a quarterback like Caleb Williams, you know, he's probably a late first-round pick at best, whereas now he's number one overall. Drake May has always been there. You know, like that quarterback archetype has always been there and probably isn't going anywhere anytime soon. But, you know, Mahomes has broken that mold. You know, like you look at all of the, uh, you know, freezing cold takes that have popped back up, you know, in the aftermath of winning this Super Bowl, yeah. you know, it's all of Mahomes' draft evaluations, stuff like that. Like, oh, he doesn't have the footwork. He doesn't play the position, you know, this sort of way. He's you know, too improvisational. It's like, now that's what everybody wants. So, yeah, he's he's just different. And I think that, you know, there's, I, I don't think there's any doubt that he, he firmly belongs in that GOAT conversation. And, you know, personally, I just hope that it's only a matter of time before he gets there because um, the other thing that's kind of, you know, bears mentioning here is that uh, you know we we don't have any spy uh you know to reference in terms of super bowl wins either so i'm not you know yeah not trying to put that on brady like i don't think that was him so much as it was his coach but nonetheless that'll be you know one of the arguments that gets made down the line whenever the numbers are way closer together
0: mark did you want to add to that
2: No, I thought that was great. I I pretty much agreed with everything you just said.
0: (laughs) Uh, I do want to touch on the Hall of Fame here because, um, I mean, Hall of Fame resumes, I think, are just uh, going through the roof here. We know even with a loss, Reed, Kelsey, Mahomes, their locks. Um, Yeah, I was just going to say, for sure, first ballot. Listen, this was a huge deal when Terrell Owens didn't get in as a first ballot. I don't get too carried away with that. Um, I do think sometimes like there are head scratchers like this year with Andre Johnson over Torrey Holt. Uh, That's a little weird. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, if you get in, you get in. There are very few people who can get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, But those three, even with a loss, were already locks for the Hall of Fame. Um, I do think with a win, it definitely helped Jones, uh, Chris Jones, that is. And I think this guy's name has just joined the conversation is Steve Spagnolo who, obviously, I, I still think his most impressive coaching uh, game in the Super Bowl was the Brady game, preventing the Patriots from going 19-0. and 0. But I thought this game was very similar, where he drew up blitzes, and, man, that third and four uh, play right there to blitz with McDuffie uh, swatting the pass, that was huge because... Um, I, who was it? It wasn't Ray-Ray McLeod. It was uh, Jawan Jennings. He kind of had an open lane right there to, to get the football in. If they get that ball, boy, they, they kick a field they They kill the time and they kick a field goal to win. Um, and they pressured Brock Purdy. Here's the other thing, to, thing, too, with Christian McCaffrey. It wasn't perfect, but they also made some very key stops against him when they needed him. Um, Spags is the guy who 100% needs to go into the Hall of Fame. Like, it, this is not even a debate anymore.
1: Yeah, I think it just comes down to. Yeah. How they choose to treat assistant coaches and career assistant coaches in that regard. Yeah, um, I'm sure that you know realistically he he is gonna make a very good case for it because frankly, if you look at I forget where the stat came from, so I'm sure yeah you know, someone can come up with it there. Uh, but there was like the three most dominant statistical uh, teams you know coming into the Super Bowl that lost. So the ones that you know, were the absolute your know, favorite, you know, the best looking teams on paper. Uh, you know, going into the Super Bowl, who ended up losing it in the Super Bowl. Top three losses were all to Steve Spagnuolo defenses. And that was the Niners and Eagles, as well as that Brady team. You know, the perfect perfect season that he ruined. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I think that that kind of speaks for itself, resume-wise. I mean, that's, you know, that is what it is. You know, just because he failed with a, uh, you know, Rams organization as a head coach that was in nowhere, you know, in no sort of shape to set him up for success when he had his one run as a head coach. I mean, yeah, I don't think he could totally fault a guy for that. I yeah. know, I'm sure they will make an, a, make an exception for assistant coaches moving forward because I'm sure there are plenty of other career assistants who are equally deserving that will now get their shine oh, uh, because of this
0: conversation. A hundred percent. Dick Vermeil said in his Hall of Fame speech, he was actually bringing up Al Saunders and right after he yeah. mentioned his name, he goes, you know what? Assistant coaches, they're going to get in the Hall of Fame someday and I really hope that the Hall of Fame starts considering that they have to. It's kind of criminal that it's that it's not even happening. Al Saunders belongs
1: in that conversation. Frankly, Gunther Cunningham might too.
0: Yeah, Mark, did you have anything but you wanted to add with the? Words. What other guys do you think uh, from this current team, or maybe you know guys who you like? Tyree Kill for sure going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, I mean, who else from this run? Like, uh, do you think gets into the Hall of Fame?
2: You know, it's really early. But Trent McDuffie is going to be a guy that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. He doesn't have the stats like the interceptions right now. He does. I don't even think he, he doesn't does. have he an interception. Yet. No. Yeah. That's so he, wild. He doesn't have any interceptions, but you look at what he does to opposing players. I mean, what he mm-hmm. he allowed two catches for nine yards. I believe I saw yeah. on Devo Samuel. Yep. And then I mean that's he's in year two, so he still has room to even get better. So I think he's going to be a lockdown guy. Uh, Legereous need. He is a lockdown guy. If he does this for like three or four more years, he's going to be a guy that his name will be up there.
1: Yeah. He has a couple Um, more years like this one. It's absolutely a discussion. Yeah. Yeah. That guy didn't give up a touchdown until the bills game in the playoffs. Like that's insane.
2: Yeah. So crazy. I, and I don't think the offense really has anybody else outside of Mahomes right now. Um, I don't know. It's hard for offensive linemen. Joe Tooney's been really solid, yeah, throughout his career. But I don't know for offensive line, it's tough.
0: I think he's got like four. The same love. I think Tooney has like four or five Super Bowl wins at this point. I, I can't remember how many he won with New England, but man, um, he's been at a least, monster. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I think Humphrey I and Smith. I, mean, I think he's been a perennial Pro Bowler too, which I know. At offensive line, that is one of those things that does count when it comes to uh, Hall of Fame bids.
0: Yeah, especially since a lot of their stats are not public. Like, um, I mean, you would have to like pay premium for PFF, which isn't as expensive as it used to be. Um, But uh, yeah, Um, and plus, some of the offensive line stats can differ from different media outlets that track those kinds of things.
1: It's weird. Stats hosted, and the most commonly tracked ones are when they screw up.
0: Yeah, the stats hosted and PFF they oddly have different like sacks allowed numbers and I don't get it. It's weird, but, uh, neither here nor there. Um, you know, who else I think really deserves consideration? Cause, uh, I think Justin Tucker, um, I know he's not very well liked in, amongst uh, good old Chiefs kingdom right now, but he's the most accurate kicker in NFL history. I think he's got a spot in Canton one day. The second most accurate kicker in NFL history is Harrison Butker, and he really raised his percentage with only two misses this entire year. One of them was with a deflated football, so, oh, well, I guess, you know, that happens, but nonetheless. In New England. In New England, yeah, imagine that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I th- think think about this with Butker. Law. He had a game winning field goal in the AFC title game last year. He had a game winning Super Bowl last year. Uh, a game winning a field goal last year in the Super Bowl. A game tying kick to send the game into overtime this year. And he's been called upon a lot this year because the offense has stalled at times. If we're you know being honest here, he has really delivered in the regular season and in the playoffs. Second postseason in a row he's done that. Um, again, I know. Um, I know it's an uphill battle for these special teams guys, but I think uh, if anyone can uh, make a case and uh, do do it, it's Butker. I really do.
2: And he got the longest field goal in Super Bowl history right after the guy on the Niners did it. So, I mean, he's got that on the resume. And he, I talked about this probably about a month and a half, maybe two months ago on Twitter. I said that he's on the Mount Rushmore of kickers in NFL history. So if they're letting kickers into the Hall of Fame, which I think they have a couple kickers. In
1: the They've Hall got a couple. I mean, the Chiefs have one, Jan Stenerud. Yeah.
2: That's right. That's right.
1: So And then Vinatieri, I'm sure. And I'm, I'm guessing there's a few others, but those two I know for sure.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, some people, I don't know. Some people are throwing some names out there, but I think he's in the top four. Justin Tucker is going to be in there. Uh, but yeah,
1: they're... There's a lot of them in there. It's automatic.
0: Here's what's funny. You mentioned how Butker broke the record 30 minutes after um, uh, Cooley, I think is his name. Jake Cooley, Uh, the 49ers kicker. Jake Moody. What was that? Jake Moody. Moody. Okay, my bad. Um, You know what's funny is last year, I think it was Matthew Wright, because the Chiefs had a couple of different backup kickers while Butker was injured. Matthew Wright had the record for longest field goal in Chiefs history. And then a week later, Butker broke that record when he came back. Um, it's like he he just has this weird thing where he can like take a record from someone right away. I, I don't know. He he's got a knack for that. So that is pretty cool.
2: Funny thing. Funny thing farz you say that because my daughter, she's a big fan of Butker. She's a soccer player. She likes watching Butker make field goals. Yeah. And when Moody made that long kick, she goes, that was an NFL record. And I said, just wait, Butker's going to break it. And then he did it like <laughs> not awesome. very long later. And I, I can say that I called that one in my living room. But, I mean, yeah, the, the way that he could just step up and kick it from anywhere, especially in a dome like that, he could have probably made a 65-yarder.
1: Yeah. Um, by I the mean, way. They were talking about he made a 70 uh, in warm-ups.
0: Yeah, he did. Yeah, they were mentioning that. And I think he even hit the crossbar in, like, one of them, but was able to get it the second time. Uh, That's crazy. But I I do want to discuss this overtime thing because this has gotten some attention here because apparently the 49ers players were not aware of the rules, which is a big coaching concern. Um, So here's what's funny about that. If the 49ers were not aware of these uh, overtime rules specifically for the playoffs, a part of me wishes they scored a touchdown in overtime because I think you would have seen a few of their players run onto the field. Here's, (laughs) here's what, here's another thing I wish that would have happened. I wish. Okay. So people were freaking out on the internet. They thought if time ran out that the game was over and I'll be honest, I was one of those people. But then again, like I don't fucking play in the NFL. I'm not a coach. Why would I need to know these things? Um, if the clock hits,
1: they just changed the rule after the 13 seconds game.
0: It very funny. Yeah. You, uh, imagine that uh, because of us, of all teams. Um, I wanted to see the, t- uh, the clock run to zero. Because I kind of have a feeling there's at least one 49ers player who would have, like, ran onto the field celebrating. Could you imagine that? Like, if the clock actually hit zero for the first overtime period and, like, I don't know, like, uh, Brock Purdy just, like, ran onto the field. Like, yes, we did it. Zero was like, we won. And then you go back and then two minutes later, McCole Hardman scores that touchdown. I really, mm-hmm. that, that would have been, like. of the Super Bowl 54 where they all celebrated in the end zone. I would have been like like this would have been like 10 times funnier. But no, we never never got that. But seriously, like as a coach, I'm sure Shanahan knew all the rules. Drew Tranquil keeps talking about how they went over everything. How how do you not tell your players the rules of overtime? Again, like, I, I don't know. I don't get it.
2: Again, I'm just a I'm just a dunce over here in a Chiefs hat. But I knew that if the Niners scored a touchdown, the Chiefs would get a chance to score a touchdown yes. themselves. I think a lot of people and knew likely that. And likely go for two, you know, if they needed to, and not give the Niners the ball back. That's kind of what I thought after the coin toss. And I was wondering why the Niners didn't kick off. I was yep. wondering why they received it. So, but... Like you said about the end of overtime, I was one of those guys. I thought that if the Niners were ahead at the end of the first one, I thought that that was it. I didn't I didn't realize that it could go into a second quarter of overtime because the Chiefs still had their possession. I didn't realize yeah. that they got the entire possession. Yeah, a lot so of people was,
0: did not know that. I did not know that.
1: Yeah, that was, part's super weird. Like I was
2: yelling at the TV. Call it time. Yeah, me too. Time. I almost lost my voice yelling at the TV. But I mean, I'm glad they they knew what they were doing. Like you said, Drew Tranquil said they had powerpoints every weekly. Like in the playoffs, they had a powerpoint on what to do in overtime. So Mahomes knew, you know, what if the time runs out, we're going to be second down on the other end of the field, or however it was going to go.
1: And I think that's one of those things that is just an absolute. Like I mean, we we talk about Andy Reid as the offensive you know genius that he is, and he is. I mean, he's you know been he, he that that reputation is completely earned for his entire career. But one of the things that he was, you know, when especially when he first came to Kansas City, one of the things that he was run out of Philly for was the inability to manage the clock and, you know, the game management side of things, if you will. And to see, yeah, you know, Andy Reid's evolution from you know the guy who first came into Kansas City with all those clock management, you know, reputation issues, uh, to the guy who is so th- thorough uh and understood exactly you know the the situational football aspect of things um and was you know drilling it into his guys like that's just one of those things that you don't see a whole lot you know that's that's not something that gets talked about it's such a little minute detail that 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 doesn't make sports center that's not a not a huge deal i mean it makes sports center i guess if you don't because here's looking at you shanahan Um, but (laughs) Realistically, like that's one of those things that we're so freaking lucky to have this guy. (laughs) You know, he's the oldest coach in the league now that you know we've got Belichick and uh you know Carol that retired uh or were kind of you know nudged out into retirement. Um, because let's be honest, they both were. Uh but you know, he's got that that wisdom to him at this point, you know, the the wisdom that comes with the experience that especially over the last few years we've been able to develop here in Kansas City, which is you know, I think that' those little things have a lot to do with the fact that we're sitting here talking about potential dynasty mode. Yeah. Yeah. Those have as much to do with dynasty mode as Mahomes, you know, absolute cannon for a right arm and in, you know, uncanny ability to escape the pocket whenever it's breaking down.
0: Yeah. I mean, just, just wild stuff. You know what I just thought of too? I I think, um, I think Andy Reid was there when it happened because there was an Eagles game several years ago that ended in a tie and, evidently Donovan McNabb had no idea that a game could end in a tie so I think you know that was like kind of an embarrassing moment for Andy Reid and you see it this week it's like okay every single Chiefs player appears to have like they were aware of everything so um yeah it's just it's just I'm still kind of like befuddled over the fact that and a professional team in the Super Bowl, the best, the second best team in the NFL, I guess, um, had no idea about the overtime rules. That's um, it's kind of mind-boggling to me because I, I put it on the screen already. I think Bob mentioned, like, there are a lot of fans that kind of know the rules. Um, and listen, there are some really weird rules in the NFL that I, I'm sure a lot of players don't know, like like the drop kick field goal. Um, listen, there's there, there are a lot of things that, uh, I'm sure a lot of players don't know, but that right there, the overtime rule, I feel like is one you have to just know you just have to.
1: Yeah. I mean, in their defense, it has changed a couple of times just in, you know, the span of their careers, you know, assuming, yeah, they aren't rookies this year. Um, yeah. I, I do sort of empathize with the way they're at, but at the same time, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like they're professionals getting paid to do this. So like you might want to know that. And really, I think that's just as much on the coaches as it is anything else.
0: Um, I got a question for you guys. Uh, do you guys feel like Tony Romo ruined the moment at the end?
1: Ruined? I think that might be a bit much. Would it have been nice if he had like sat back and let the moment do its thing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something to be said for as an announcer knowing when to shut up. But <sighs> ruined? I mean, no, we we won. We, we just repeated in the Super Bowl. There wasn't nothing ruined in that moment.
0: Because here's my thing. I think um, I listen. I know all the complaints about Tony Romo and whatnot, and we can probably do an entire podcast on Tony Romo. Um, I think, you know, in general, um, I still remember, like, the very first time he started broadcasting, he was like kind of flexing on Jim Nance and the audience is like, Jim, they're going to throw a fade on the right here. They're going to run to the left. I bet you 10 bucks. They're going to go straight up the middle here. And it's like, whatever he was predicting happened. I'm like, this guy probably needs to be a defensive coordinator somewhere. Like if you can see all of that happening, you probably need to be a defensive coordinator. somewhere. I still remember when the chiefs lost to the Patriots in the AFC championship game, there was a huge deal made about how uh Robo could just see everything coming. And I think in that press conference leading up to the super bowl, um, the CBS crew did a uh, press conference, and Romo was asked, he's like, how did you know all of this? And Bob Sutton didn't, which, anyway. Um, former offensive coordinator for the Chiefs and also a former Jayhawks head coach, glory years, uh, Charlie Weiss, uh, he does a show on SiriusXM NFL radio. I don't know if you guys heard this, and I'm not allowed to play the audio because I don't have the rights to it, but I'll read you the quote. He lashed out at Tony Romo. I've actually, I've never seen... Another analyst like a Charlie Weiss go off on another analyst before because usually these guys try to be there for one another. Um, anyway, here's a quote Jim Nance had already said jackpot, and that should have been the end of the conversation. I listened to Tony Romo ruin the moment, just shut up and let us savor the moment, just be quiet. And then you know they kind of get away from the topic, and then five minutes later, Charlie Weiss brings it back up, and he says, "I try to watch the game and not let the announcers ruin the game for me. There are announcers I really enjoy listening to, but then there's announcers who, if I have to listen to them, I would rather go to the bathroom and throw up." Um, listen, Charlie Weiss is kind of weird. Like he, I remember his co-host was bringing bringing up the Manning cast. And wanted to talk about that. And Charlie was like, no, yeah, I'm bored when I watch it. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, listen, let me just say this about Tony Remo. I actually like him as, as a broadcaster. Is he annoying sometimes? Yes. Um, but I think he's got a very good he's got a great knowledge for the game. He really, really does. And by the way, I need to push back on another narrative because I know I, I'm I know I'm going in a rabbit hole here. The idea that someone sucked. Like Dan Orlovsky or Ryan Leaf can't. Why should we ever take their comments seriously? Seriously is like the dumbest. It's the dumbest thing ever. Um, I remember Tim Grunhard lashed out at Patrick Mahomes after the Christmas game against the Raiders. And people were co- pushing back against him. They're like, dude, you've never won a Super Bowl. So what? He's Tim Grunhard. He knows the sport. And even if you're Ryan Leaf, whose career never panned out the way you, you would have liked for it to pan out. That doesn't mean you don't have a good knowledge of the sport. One of the better broadcasters, in my opinion, when it comes to talk radio for among former players is Brady Quinn. He's been doing it for years, and I think he's done a great job of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, I know I'm getting off topic here. I just don't know, like me personally, as a fan that had a rooting interest, a a serious interest in the game, I was too busy celebrating, hugging, kissing my family like I, I did not even pay attention to Tony Romo um that, anyway I, I know i went on there for a long time mark do you have any thoughts on that
2: that's exactly what i was gonna say i i have i in the moment i'm kind of sad that i missed the jackpot comment because that's vegas that's like a classic moment from dance yeah. um but i didn't even hear what romo said after nance i didn't hear what nance said i didn't hear what romo said because I was screaming in my living room with my family, um, and every time that I've gone back, I've watched that Hardman pass probably, I'm going to say over 50 times now, but I have not had the sound on. It's just been on my phone, like, scrolling through and watching it. So I still haven't heard what uh, Tony Romo said, so I guess I don't even know what the controversy is or if he was just talking. To talk he was just
0: giving his of. analysis was like- before that. He like basically the touchdown happened. Everyone's celebrating. It's a Super Bowl, obviously. And he decides to quickly go into analysis mode. That's it.
1: OK, it yeah. wasn't that bad.
0: No.
2: Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't have a huge problem with that. Like I said, I was just celebrating, going crazy. Couldn't believe that Hardman caught the winning touchdown. So I was in my head just going through all that. So I'll go back and listen to what Roma had to say and, you know. Probably won't hate
0: on him at all. Okay, I just want to say something, because Bob just said he's a hater. I think you're referring to Tony Romo. Um, Look, I I just need to say something, because I still remember Joe Buck in the 2014 World Series. Royals fans were sick of him, because he was was loving on Madison Bumgarner, yet in in San Francisco... They feel like he was cheering for the for the Royals. I was about to say the Chiefs. Um, Joe Buck has this really weird like perception that. okay, so like um, uh, Mark, you're a Seattle Kraken fan. Let's say it's a Kraken versus the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm a Vegas Golden Knights fan. You're a Seattle Kraken fan. And Joe Buck's calling that game. Vegas Golden Knights fans will say, oh, he's rooting for the Kraken. And Kraken fans will say, no, he's rooting for the Golden Knights. Um, I don't understand Joe Buck in his Twitter bio. It used to say, "I'm rooting against the team you cheer for." It's like, it, like he even like knew it. Um, Tony Romo, Chiefs fans think Romo hates the Chiefs, but there are a lot of Chiefs haters who think I say Chiefs haters, but just non-Chiefs fans that that say that Tony Romo loves the Chiefs. I actually agree. Like Tony Romo has nothing but great things to say about Patrick Mahomes. At the end of the day, you have two quarterbacks you have two teams you've got to talk about you can't just be praising one guy all the time i think people forget that
1: yeah it's just a silly narrative let's be honest like it's of all the things that people choose to get upset about
2: yeah there for for buck i think he just loves seeing greatness and in the moment i saw what madison bumgarner did and that was incredible i hated it because i was trying for the royals if if Mahomes is doing what he does, and I'm loving it. Romo's loving it. The The other team's fans are hating it, what he's saying about Mahomes yeah. being great on those final two drives. But I could see it, you know, on the other hand, when they were playing the Bills, he really s- sounded like he wanted Josh Allen to get that big win. So I can see it from the Chiefs' perspective, too. Chiefs fans being like, oh, man, he just wanted Josh Allen and the Bills to win which I don't know if that's true or not, but you could hear him getting excited when Josh Allen would make a play. But I think it's just because he likes. Mr. January. Watching good quarterbacks. Yeah. He likes watching good quarterbacks in the playoffs. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I think like, yeah, you know, it has to be, I mean, you, you just you know, put yourself in that guy's shoes, right? Like it has to be a little bit more fun, you know, rooting for the bills in that situation, because it's such a better story of like, Oh, did they finally get over the hump? You know, is this really going to be their year? I mean, the chiefs are down, you know, the, haven't been able to get past them. You know, there's a lot to be said for that narrative and, you know, the the kind of underdog role like that everyone tends to root for. Like, I mean, as Chiefs fans, I think we've got a lot of experience rooting as the underdog. I mean, realistically, three straight Super Bowls that we've won, you know, we were the underdog in. Uh, but also like, just because those of us who have been fans since before the Mahomes era, remember what it's like to be an actual underdog. <laughs> um, yeah. where You are probably going to get your teeth kicked in in some creative, humiliating fashion. Uh, yeah. I can understand empathizing with that guy and wanting to, you know, see that guy win. But, yeah, I think that, you know, if we're worried about who the announcer is quote-unquote rooting for, like, you got bigger problems, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know how else to help you.
0: Yeah. And listen, I know a lot of people are are very here in Casey partial towards Kevin Harlan for very obvious reasons. I mean, he's from here. He was a, the best. Yeah, I, 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 he's great already, but he's also, he you know,
1: the phone book sound exciting.
0: He, he has actually done that before. Yes. Um, he Is he uh, really? That's amazing. he. Um, <laughs> I'm he was, calling both games. He was, yes. He was the voice of uh, both the Chiefs and the Jayhawks. So uh, I know people. And plus his, um, his uh, color analyst is Trent Green. So you got two former Chiefs. Um, and, you know, you just don't get a lot of Kevin Hartle in games because the Chiefs are a top tier team. Uh, this year they took a step back. So they had some of the B team, C tier announcers. But, um, yeah, neither here nor there. Um, do you guys have, like, a favorite broadcaster I've always liked Gus Johnson, especially like college basketball when games are close. I mean, Gus Johnson's always fun to listen to.
1: Oh, college basketball wise, Jay Billis is in a class of his own. I mean, oh, I know yeah. he's the color guy, but God, I love Jay Billis. <laughs> yeah. Even if he's a Duke guy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, you guys took my college basketball ones for sure. Uh, the, the knowledge that Jay Billis has, the excitement that Gus Johnson has, Even for football, Gus Johnson, when he called the Red River rivalry with Oklahoma and Texas and Dicker, the kicker (laughs) for the win, like the way that he emphasized it so perfectly, Gus Johnson's amazing. Uh, And then, yeah, Kevin Harlan. I mean, I I listen Mm -hmm. a lot on Monday nights. I'm driving around. So sometimes I'll hear what's going on on my drive home before I get home uh, for Monday night football. And yeah, he's just going crazy about one thing or the other. Like, one time there was a streaker, and, you know, he goes crazy. Guy, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there there's a, there was a cat on the field one time, and he starts calling, he's at the 30, he's at the I 20, remember that. he's at the 15, <laughs> the 10, and he gets into the end zone! Who's going to find him? Who's going to get him? So, like, he just goes crazy. Like, I love that.
0: man yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I still remember the calling both games part because I was in Vegas for that one. There's a Chiefs bar in Vegas called Blue Diamond Saloon. If you guys ever go there for a game, uh, definitely worth checking out. Um, it was weird because it's like a it's obviously a sports bar, so they had the Chiefs game on uh, the big TV, but on like one of the smaller TVs, they had the Dolphins game. So, um, and in a sports bar, it's kind of hard to hear the uh, the announcers because you know it's, it's loud and everything. Um, but I'll never forget uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Through the touchdown pass and that one against the Patriots, it it got it was louder for the Ryan Fitzpatrick touchdown pass than any of the other touchdowns the Chiefs had, and I think McCole Hardman had a kick return touchdown in that same game too. So, um, oh, Joshua says Dickie V. Yeah, oh yeah, Dickie V. is a, a legend. Uh, you you can't ever He's forget like, about yeah, Dickie I mean, V.
1: It is time for him to be done, I think, but he is an absolute icon.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it, it, it just kind of you know. Myself. Yeah, it it is time, but you know the game. The game. We hear this a lot in like sports. The game gets past them. So you know who I've always really liked is um, Joe Rogan when he does UFC fights. Uh, and listen, I get it; he's on pay per view, but he kind of says things like, you know, that might be a little PG or PG thirteen, maybe rated R. Uh, But it's like, you know, he's just like blunt and honest about those kinds of things. But, you know, obviously with over the air TV, you can't um, say the same thing, which is kind of unfortunate. I mean, listen, with the parabolic microphones, you can hear players talking shit and it comes through the TV sometimes. So I don't know. People forget that sometimes, but Uh, all right. um, Last question I did want to ask you going back to the Chiefs team and we'll uh, sign off on this. Obviously, the receivers, they were a big topic of a discussion this year. McCole Hardman and MVS, they both came through and scored. Um, do you guys think they come back next year? Because I, I it's so easy to think emotionally like, hey, they 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 came through, they stepped up and they scored in the Super Bowl. But the overall body of work, you got to think about that as well going into the offseason. MVS does have a big cap it coming up as well. Um Mark, I'll go to you first. Uh, Do you think both of those or either of those or neither of those come back?
2: This is so tough because, I mean, even at the end of December, I would have said no on both of them. Yeah. Which means I should probably say no on both of them. But when you see what they did in the playoffs, there is a little bit of that... I don't know. They're just like... Like I don't know which other receivers might also be cut. Like maybe Kadarius Tony, or like if they cut Tony, maybe they'll bring Hardman back, type of a thing. Uh, I could see him drafting somebody at pick thirty-two, and then maybe they don't. For sure. Maybe they don't need MVS. I don't know when the dates are for when they have to be cut by to save the cap. I, I don't know all that. It'll be like
0: middle of March, somewhere around there.
2: Middle of March, so before the draft, so. If they do cut him, then we know they're going receiver early, most likely. Uh, But I could see them bringing him back. It just depends on what they need to do for making room for maybe Snead and Chris Jones and whatever else they're planning to do. So I I wouldn't be – I would say I wouldn't be mad if they're both gone. I also wouldn't be mad if they're both here.
0: Zach, how do you feel? Yeah,
1: just (sighs) – so I think that with McColl, I think that it's just a question of price. Uh, yeah, he. I would imagine the market for him is not going to be that heavy. I mean, I think last year, even like, you know, last offseason, I think he got like a one-year, four million dollar deal or something like that from the Jets. I don't know how much the Jets, um, yeah, you know, how much of that they ate versus us whenever we traded for him. Um, but I, I, that's a long way of saying I don't think his cap hit's going to be that bad. With MVS, I mean, here's the hard part. You know, we save twelve million against the cap i was just fiddling with the numbers on you know the other screen here um we saved 12 million against the cap if we do cut him and as much as he was a stud down the stretch dude's 30 um this is a loaded receiver class and if you put some of that 12 million towards retaining a chris jones or a luxurious need i think that's probably a better use of the money yeah um like I, again, and I absolutely have nothing but respect for the way that MVS. Yeah, you know, as I was very much one of those people who was, you know, throw the bum out, you know, especially after that Eagles game, right? Like I, I was firmly in camp, get rid of MVS, really light just about everything in the receiver room, not named Rasheed Rice on fire and let it go. Like I, I was hundred percent there, and the fact that you know he played the way he did in the playoffs, like I I have nothing but respect for the uh you know the work he did there but it, it it comes down to the economics of it when it's all said and done and that that's a pretty big issue uh especially as we have Mahomes who I'm sure they'll do some you know restructuring and fiddling with his contract too Yeah. But as of right now on paper he's almost a 60 million cap hit it's like 58 something
0: I, listen but, i i've said this yeah. so many times i don't care if you've won 3 Super Bowls or if you haven't won a Super Bowl um they're, the quarterbacks are way overpaid right now um and look Mahomes is not the only one who needs to consider restructuring if you know for the betterment of the team um Jawan Taylor um just did not live up to expectations this year uh, I don't think um and I know people are mad he didn't get called for a holding penalty in this Super Bowl but go cry me a river um
1: but he you does I, I, he built up a big enough body of work during the year thank you. he didn't need another one in the Super
0: Bowl. yeah uh, um yeah I think you got to consider restructuring him and then yeah I do agree agree with uh, MVs if you if you do uh let him uh, go it probably helps your team a lot especially if you want to keep this defense together. Chris Jones keeping Chris Jones is going to be insane. and by the way, look who's eligible for new deals right now Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Nick Bolton. Um, I mean, I don't know how those guys are going to go go forward with this. Um, they he probably they probably want new deals. I, I think I think the only way you can make it work, and again, I haven't done the numbers on this. Zach, you're better about this than I am. If you do sign Crescone to like a three-year deal, you might need to make it more front-loaded uh, contract-wise. And then after that first year, okay, you can afford to extend um, all those other guys I mentioned, um, and also recently Jerry sneed at the same time, uh, listen, this is going to be Brett Veach's toughest off season, 100%. And, um, these are good problems to have when you're a championship team, when you've been drafting so well, these are the issues you're going to have. And that's, uh, the position the Chiefs find themselves in this off season.
1: Yeah. I mean, th- there's some other ways that they can tinker with this to make it a little bit more palatable, I guess, like Joe Tooney's contract could get a little adjustment here. Yeah, and there. you're right. Uh, yeah, I, I obviously Mahomes is. They'll, you know, the, the way that they have deliberately built it is to make sure that Mahomes's contract doesn't turn out the way that, say, Aaron Rodgers had it in Green Bay. Um, yeah, they, they'll be smart about it, I have no doubt. Um, but I do think that, you know, you, I wouldn't be shocked if you see the extension for Creed before too long because he plays that non premium position that you can pay up a little bit for. But in the grand scheme, it doesn't cost you that much. Um, that that's one of the things that I think we've shown yeah, you know, a willingness to do. I mean, the same way we've done it with Kelsey for years. Um, you know, he's a non-premium position you're paying for wide receiver one level production, but you're paying tight end prices. There's a lot to be said for that. Um, so I'm sure they'll, they'll be able to make Creed happen. I think that Trey Smith walks after next year oh, or whenever God. his contract's up, I don't, I think I, they would be smart to let Bolton walk as much as I don't want to see him go. Um, If it comes down to him or Drew Tranquil, you know, you pay Drew Tranquil, you know, the $3 million a year as opposed to Nick Bolton, the seven. Um, I'm just throwing numbers out there. I don't know what Nick Bolton would be asking for. He's a little younger, but, you know, these are the business decisions that unfortunately have to be made. You know, people always talked about Belichick cutting guys, you know, maybe a little early, um, you know, maybe trading them away a little before they were really done. Uh, But that's how they were able to build that dynasty in, you know, Veach is gonna do the same thing. You can take that to the bank.
0: Mark, what do you think?
1: I I mean, after talking
2: through with you guys, I do think that uh MVS is likely cut. I mean that He's also thirty. Like yeah. that's
1: a thing that Veach doesn't pay dudes over thirty. If Chris yeah. Jones gets paid, that's a departure from Veach's established norm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that, that seems like the obvious cut there. Uh from what I remember, I think it was right after Uh, They beat the Dolphins. The Chiefs beat the Dolphins. There was a tweet or something from Willie Gay saying, this was my last game at Arrowhead, or we kind of threw everybody off. It was like, (laughs) we kind of forgot about Willie Gay being in his last year. Yeah. Um, So, I I mean, yeah, it makes sense because you've got younger linebackers. You've got Leo Chanel. You've got uh, Nick Bolton, who's going to need to be paid at some point tranquil played really good and seems to like it here and he's cheap so i mean yeah that's that's there's just some some things that are going to have to happen and you want to keep that defense together because of how good they did this year so MVS seems to be the logical choice for the cut
0: yeah i i think like the number one thing is seeing what you can do restructure wise because the whole chris jones Contract negotiations that prevented them from making a move with DeAndre Hopkins, but if they can maybe be better about the process with some of these uh, deals this off season, um, hopefully they can get a lot of work done before free agency starts. You know what? Here's what needs to happen: Patrick Mahomes needs to like guarantee everyone a spot on a Coors Light commercial and a State Farm commercial there. A lot of those guys are making a lot of money now they can take a little less, but I know that happens. Um, uh, uh, pipe that's dreams, pipe dreams.
1: Yeah. The, I think that there's a certain level of that. Um, yeah, I think that that's also just a Testament to, uh, you know, the way that Veach has built the roster. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of guys that you know, he, he's drafted really well and he's been able to find stud young players. Um, that you know, we we have one of the best problems in the game at this point, which is, hey, we've got all this young talent. How are we going to pay them all? Yeah, We're not is the short answer to that question, but you know, it's the best problem to have. And it's also established a track record that, you know what? If we do let some of these guys go, I firmly believe that Veach will be able to replace them effectively. I mean, I remember being all sorts of upset when we let Tyron Matthew go. I couldn't believe that we didn't re-sign the guy. Yeah, And then we brought in Justin Reed, and Turned out pretty well.
0: Yeah, uh, really well. Really underrated too. By the way, here's another guy. Um, and again, we kind of forget about social teams sometimes. Tommy Townsend is set to be a free agent, and it shows on Spot Track his agent is sports stars. But I think right before training camp or very early in training camp, he actually changed to Drew Rosenhaus. And obviously the Chiefs and Drew Rosenhaus had a difficult time coming to terms on the Tyree Kill uh, deal. Now, just because it did not work out with one player doesn't mean it can't work out with another player w- with the same uh, representative. But Rosenhaus does tend to get top dollar for his guys. And I don't know if you want to give your punter the high. I, I like Tommy Townsend. He's awesome. But I just don't know if if you want that, then again, can you bring in you a punter? You don't need
1: to pay a punter top dollar when you have a Patrick Mahomes. I you just don't.
0: I agree. But if you get another punter who like forget about his ability as a punter, I care a little more about his holding abilities because with Butker being as great as he was this year, you can't really let that slip away. That's the only that's all I'm saying. Um Listen, I don't think holding that is that is difficult. Backup quarterbacks used to do it. Um, but the Chiefs have been like very strict about that operation. So that's all I'm saying.
2: Tommy, by the way, Tommy, that's a good point. Tommy, Tommy needs a shout out because on that Super Bowl longest kick, 50, what was it? 57 yards, 58 mm-hmm. yards. He saved the day on that one because it was a high snap. So I do give Tommy Townsend some love on that one. Uh, In the moment, I didn't realize it, but watching the replay, I was like, wow, Tommy kind of saved the day on that one.
0: Well, here's what's weird is that bad punt that hit the leg of like a, a, a 49ers player. Here's what's so weird about bad punts. They kind of, depending on the direction of where the punts going, they can kind of benefit you because, and I don't know who that 49ers player was. He did nothing wrong. He doesn't know where the football is. And by the time his teammate, the punt returner, is trying to say something, it's too late to realize what's really going on because he's trying to block whoever. Um, it's just bad punts like tend to really work out well sometimes. Uh, you don't see it often, but whenever you do see it, there's like this weird little um, spin of the football, like just depending on the, the bounce, the direction it goes in. It could come back, and obviously the Chiefs finally got a touchdown out of that, which was which was weird. So I, I, I wanted to mention that and completely forgot about it until now. But yeah, that happened.
2: It's like a quarterback. It's like a quarterback like Tua who underthrows balls and gets a lot of pass interference calls. <laughs> kind of like that. A that's, little bit.
0: that's a very good point. Um, man. Good analogy. too. All right, guys, uh, I'm going to wrap things up here. Either one of you going to the parade?
1: Wish I could. Works says otherwise but mark yeah, i'd like to
2: yeah i gotta be up in the studio uh we've got some of our other radio stations in our building that are going to be out at the parade so we're going to be getting calls from them so i'll be back making sure that it's all going out over the airwaves and uh our tv partner is kctv5 so i think we'll have that in the studio if there's anything crazy we can put their sound up from the tv out over the airwaves as well so we'll have it covered um if you're driving around KC, ninety-five point seven FM, seven ten AM, depending on where you're at in town, what the signal's like, we'll be we'll be covering it.
0: Okay, good to know. I'll definitely be tuning in. I, will, I listen. I'm just not. I do not want to go into the abyss of that. As much as I love downtown and seeing it full, everyone wearing red. I am staying away from that, uh, just just not my thing, <laughs> just not my thing, uh, but nonetheless, if you are going, have fun, have a great time, it is Valentine's Day, so if uh, you're single, maybe you can meet the love of your life at a Chiefs Super Bowl parade, hey, what a great story that would be. All right, my name is Farzien and Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefstone Podcast. Big thanks to Zach and Mark for joining me on this podcast. I'll be back tomorrow night after the parade. We'll do a podcast then. Until then, take care, enjoy, have fun if you're going to the parade. Talk to you later.